0: When you've been in ministry 47 years full-time, you see a lot. My wife and I have been ministering together longer than we've been married together. We've been married over 42 years, but been ministering together by that 47 years. And we served three different ministries the first 25 years of our ministry, and so we held the hands of other pastors before we ever began to do our own ministry. And... um, There were times whenever I heard my dad preach the messages that he would preach. And being a music evangelist, he did a message one time, Brother J called, One More Night with the Frogs. One More Night with the Frogs. And then what was some of the others? I'm trying to think, When God Burns Your Barley Patch... My dad has a great sense of humor. And I knew which illustrations were coming. When I was with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown, South African evangelist for five years, and he would come into a a, a city or come into a church, I knew that he was going to, for that week, be ministering on the realms of God, living in the realms of God. And I knew he was going to give his testimony, how the fire of God fell on him. And I knew what was coming. But my wife and I, I'm telling you, we would grab each other's hand on the front row and we'd say, now, Lord, we've heard this before. But Lord, I ask you, Lord, allow this to come into our hearts like it's the very first time we've ever heard this. And really, that's the way you have to approach the things of God. And I say it like this, Sunday comes every week. Amen? Sunday comes every week. So you know kind of how the flow of the service is going to go and, and what's going to happen. and It's going to be fresh, you know, it's going to be fresh, but still you have an idea of how things are going to flow. But the Lord, at the end of the year, we, we begin to ask the Lord, say, Lord, what, what are you wanting to say to Becky and I this year? Well, what, what, what adjustments are you wanting to make? What's going to be the focus of our year? One of the things the Lord spoke to us was that it was going to be a year of light. That God was going to open the eyes of our understanding in a way that we've never had our, our eyes opened before. The scriptures that we have read, and we have an idea of what's in that scripture, but God was going to open the scripture to us. Even familiar passages like never before. And then the Lord also said this. He said, Joe, he said, you know I'm your Jehovah Jireh, don't you? I said, oh, yes, Lord, you're my provider. Everything we have, you've put in our hands. Even the air that we breathe, you put it in our lungs. And then he said, I want to take you a step further. He said, I want to be your El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. Not just paycheck to paycheck, but more than enough. More than enough. How many of you have a little more room in your 401k? Your TSA, whatever it is you have. You know, your your barn, there's still a little room in that barn to put a little more seed. Come on. Hallelujah. The Lord said, This year I want I, I, want, I want it to be a year when you you get to know me as El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. More than enough. And as we, we begin to pray and and seek the Lord, how many of you know? The devil doesn't like it when you start declaring what God declares. You know, I shared this again in the early service. I said, you know, the devil, he's not omnipresent. He's not omniscient, and he's not omnipotent. He doesn't have all power. Now, he's been given dominion of the earth. But even through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, he bought that back. And you and I have every right to stand and say, no. Get thee behind me. Shut your mouth. Be quiet. I don't want to hear that anymore. And some people, I've had them come and tell me, well, the devil made me do it. And I said, you mean the devil, Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub came to your house. And then I go, I doubt it. He can only be in one place at one time. Do you know that? But he probably sent a little stick demon paralyzed from the neck down. That's all it took to defeat some people. And so the Lord was... You know, speaking to us, and and then what does the enemy do? He, he he's the accuser of the brethren, or he'll come and and you know, sickness. I mean, we live in a fallen realm, and then we have an attack on our body. And and I, I'm telling you, I thank God for a pastor friend of mine that we served for five years. Whenever he gets sick, this is what he says. I say, Pastor Mike, how are you doing? He says, I'm catching a healing. He's he not going to tell you that he's got a flu or or whatever else it is that man's given to all these things. He's just going to say, "I'm catching a healing and so you know so guess what we're catching a healing you know we've had this i don't know stuff that went around and very few men very few services in forty some odd years. I can probably count on one hand the times we couldn't do what God had called us to do because of sickness, and and I just thank God for his faithfulness, amen, that he is faithful to us, but it's always a joy to be here with you and to come and worship, and we just got back from, we left uh, uh, January 1, we headed to Istanbul, Turkey, and from the last time we saw you last, we were in Istanbul ministering there in that Muslim nation, and five services there. And we had many people saved, set free, and delivered, coming out of the Muslim way of life, accepting Christ as our Savior. And you've got seed in the ground. Come on. You've got seed in Istanbul, Turkey, because you've sown into the ministry that we have. And then we headed on over to Israel. And how many of you have ever been to the Holy Land? Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. How many would like to go? Well, the last week of February next year, we're taking a trip to the Holy Land, and we're going to take 40 to 50 friends of ours, whoever would like to go. So if you would like to be a part of that trip, well, you just let us know. We'll have all the details. You know, you'll you'll get wind of that. We'll make sure that you know. But, uh, you know, a trip like that will cost you anywhere from, you know, three to $3,500 a person. It's something like that. Now, if you want to stay in five-star hotels, it might cost you a little bit more than that. But where we stay is plenty good and the food's amazing. Oh, that'll make you pray in tongues right there. The food is amazing. And then to go where Jesus walked and to, to to go to those places, it's just it's just phenomenal. And so we're gonna and then we'll probably have one night, once we finish the day of touring, we'll we'll have a place there at the hotel where we're just gonna have a night of worship. And uh, just worship there uh in the land. And get ourselves ready because one day he's going to put his feet back on on that, that Mount of Olives. And uh, that eastern gate that's closed right now will be open. And we're going to have free access. And for a thousand wonderful years, we're going to rule and reign. Oh, my goodness. So when you go, it's just awesome to, to see the sights and, and get to have a great time there. And then from there, we went on over to the Philippines and had a great time there and tonight we'll give some more testimonies of what the lord did there in the philippines but we've been going now for almost 30 years but in the last 10 years we've been going at least three times a year and we know there's an anointing on our family for families and i've had i can't tell you how many of those young couples come and say pastor joe we can't have kids and uh, and sometimes there's not anything wrong they just haven't been able to have children and so I'll, I'll tell the husband, put your hand on your wife's womb. And then uh, I said, now put your hand on your tummy. And then I'll speak to his seed. And I'll speak to her womb. And it's been amazing now since we've been there. We've got, we've got little kids that are five, six, seven, eight years old that uh, when we go back, I mean, every time we go back, there's another one walk up to you and they're holding a baby. And they say, Pastor Joe, you prayed for us last time you were here. And God has blessed us. And so we're just, you've got seed in that. You guys have seed in that. And in our school, we have our first student from Shanghai, China. We have our first student from China, so you have seed in that. We have students from Fiji and from Thailand, but we had our first student from, so we're raising up worship leaders behind behind the wall, behind the wall. We may not can get there, but our school is getting in there. And God's raising up these young men and women, and and she's just a wonderful worship leader. So, you know, I want to share just a couple of things, and and, uh, I'm going to be a good steward of your time because I want you to come back. But uh, how many of you saw the uh, funeral of of President uh, Bush 41 back in December, whenever all of the stuff was going on, and uh, uh, his final resting place was there at Texas A&M University, and um, It was very cool. You know, we lived there in the Houston area. And so they had the funeral at the church, and then they brought him to a boxcar and a 120-some-odd-mile trek from there in Houston through the back roads of Texas over to uh, uh, College Station, uh, there to the campus of Texas A&M, which is where his library is, and his wife Barbara's buried there. And I thought it was really funny because whenever they started bringing, and, and only, you know, only Texas folks probably had this kind of sense of humor. But, uh, you know, they start bringing his casket out of that, that box car, and they're playing the Texas A&M fight song. <laughs> Anybody recognize that or even know what they were playing? I'm, I said, no, you're not doing that. Come on now, some- Somebody, And then they went into the Star Spangled Banner, you know, and then we all put our hands on our heart, you know. And, and in my living room, I'm standing. And, I, and I'm doing pretty good just watching all of this as we honor. Doesn't matter whether you voted for him or not, but we honor the office of our president. And then this is where I lost it. They started singing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning. Our song shall rise to thee. And, and, man, I lost it. I said, the whole world is hearing that old hymn. They may not know the words, but I know the words. And I was singing from the top of my lungs in my living room. God in three person, blessed Trinity. The whole earth was hearing it. And I was so Blessed. And I was taken back to my youth because I remember a time when the church was the gathering place of the community. Everything revolved around the church. It didn't matter which one you went to because if you were in a small town, whether it was the Methodist or the Baptist or the Catholic or the Pentecostals, when they had a week of revival, then we went. Why? Because they were our friends. They were our closest friends, and we supported what they did. But we've lost something in the last few years. My dad is 89 years of age, and my dad, he said, son, he said, I'm old enough to know. He said, we used to go to church in a wagon. He said, not even in a car. We went in a wagon, pulled before mules. We went in a wagon. He said, we get to church. He said, whether it's raining or not, that's how you went to church. And he said, we put our shoes on once we got to church. And he said, we didn't have electricity in the church. He said, we had coal oil lamps. And he said, if you wanted to go to the restroom, you had to go outside of church, around the back of the church, down a path to go to the bathroom. His house, where my grandfather pastored at that time, they had a pump for water on the back porch. He said in the winter time, he said, You just added a couple of more blankets. He said, We had a coal oil. he said we had a potbelly stove that mama cooked on and heated our house. And then to watch everything transition through the years to where, you know, we carry our phone, we actually carry our computer in our hand. You know. And if we don't have it, if it goes dead instantly, we're in panic. Everybody has a panic attack. We now have a gener- I don't want to get political, but I am gonna say one thing. We have a generation now that thinks socialism is having a cause to help somebody, you know, the spotted owl or whatever. They have no idea. And every Christian group out there that does a concert, they have their their cause. You know, for them socialism is I wanna be, you know, socially active to help the cause. They have no idea that real socialism It'll, it'll allow you to have a God, but they're going to tell you which one you get to have. Much less communism to where they're going to burn every Bible and every book about God you have. I never dreamed of the day that I would hear my president stand and say, read my lips, we will never be a socialist country. I never dreamed I would ever hear those words. But my point is this, is the fact that we've lost a spirit of honor in our country. It doesn't matter who they are, anyone of any importance, their fodder for late-night television, there's no honor for anyone. And so I think it's birthed some things in our culture. And as a worship leader, as a worshiper, the Lord shared some things with my wife and I. And at the beginning of the year, he said, what do you see? What do you see? When you look around, what what do we see? And I'm reminded of the prophet Isaiah. And if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6, and you begin to read here in Isaiah chapter 6, just a few verses. I'm going to go there just for a minute, and I want to hurry, because I I really do want you to come back. We're going to pray for people tonight. We're going to love on folks tonight, and we'll have a great time. We thank Pastor Dav for having us, and the family, for allowing us to be here. We love your church very, very much. But the Bible says here in Isaiah, I got a new Bible. Started a new one. There it is. 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 Okay, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, verse 1, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am a man I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphim unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And then said I, the prophet, Here am I, send me. And so I want want you to understand here just very quickly. I'm just going to drop three things in your spirit. But there were two parallels running in this passage of Scripture. The first thing we see, King Uzziah has died. What did he die of? He died of leprosy. The Bible says that he went into the temple. You see, God had set up rules of how the temple was to be handled, that the the priest would go in once a year to offer sacrifice for all the sin of of the Israelites. And there was a tribe, the Levites, that were to take care of that temple. They were to set it up. They were to tear it down. They were to make sure that as as they brought in fresh bread every day, that also that they would trim the wicks of the lamps so that there was no smoke, but they would burn cleanly, and that the 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 oil the the uh, 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 oil of incense that was closest to the holy of holies never ran out of oil, and it burned twenty four hours a day. But I don't know what happened. I don't know if if he got mad at the priest. I don't know if he got bold or felt like, I'm the king, I can do whatever I want to do, but he walked into that holy place, and he touched the holy of holy, he touched the the ark of the covenant, and then from that moment on, he was struck with leprosy, and he died. And then the Bible goes on to tell that he had two sons at least, and we see in this passage, one of his sons' name was Jothan, and he was an even weaker king than his father. And then not only that, he had a, a grandson then. His name was Ahaz. And by the time Ahaz now sits on his father, his grandfather's throne, the Israelites were in total rebellion against God. Total rebellion against God. They were worshiping all the, the gods of their, quote, forefathers. And so in this passage, the Bible says here, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees all the Israelites, all that's going on with his natural eye. There's there's no worship of God. Their hearts are so far away from God, it's not even funny. But in the midst of that, God still gives him a vision of who God is. I don't care what the circumstances look like around us. God is still on the throne. I don't care what our country looks like. Our God is still on the throne. There's still a remnant of people that know how to get down to the brook and they still know how to drink. Three things, very simply. We see the first thing. The king had taken a casual approach to the things of God. God had told him how to come before his presence. You see, in America today, there are a lot of churches that people will come through those doors and they'll go through the motion. No one has better church than those of us here in America. We have no more beautiful facilities to have church in than we have in America. All the lights, the sound, all the tools, everything we have, all the children's ministries and everything else, but there will be people that they'll go through the motion, but they will leave this place the same way they came in. But for some people, it's a social event. So I can be seen. It'll help my business. But they really do not know how to approach the throne of God. And as a worshiper, I'm here this weekend to just remind you that, yes, you know, even in America today, did you know that the average church attendance, with all of those that go to church on any given Sunday, the average, the average is one and a half times in a month. That's all people go to church. So that's telling you that Pastor Dav probably has three congregations in his, in his church, if we're the average. I pray you're not. Why? Because Sunday comes every week, you know, or I can watch it On YouTube, or I can watch it on the stream. And that's wonderful. But there's nothing like coming together with God's people. Because why? It's scriptural. God said, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because there's power in our praise. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. That when we come together, especially when we come in and we don't come with a casual approach, But we come prayed up. That blessed me so much. He woke up this morning. Father, I'm so ready to be in your house. And he began to pray before he ever came. He was ready to worship before he ever got here. He was worshiping before he ever got here. What if that was 100%? What if it was 100%? What could happen? Oh, my God. The power, the release of God's power. But there was a casual approach. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 1, and I want you to look at this because it's important. Verses 11 through 20, chapter 1. God was so upset. He was so frustrated with the children of Israel. I mean, I know Pastor Dave, he's an incredible teacher of the word. So I know you guys understand Old Testament, uh, the law. Now, look what God says about the law and and what was going on with the children of Israel. Look at this. In verse 11, what makes you think I want all of your sacrifices? I'm sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the the fat of fatted calves. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through my courts with all of your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. This is God. He said, It disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days of fasting, they're all sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. you know you know why? Because they'd become parties, a time to get drunk, not to honor God, not to honor him because of the blessing of the harvest and all of the all of those wonderful things. but it was a time to revel, to revel. They're burdensome to me, he says. I cannot stand them. When you lift, look at this. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I don't even look. Though you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. For your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. Learn to do good. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend, defend the cause of orphans, fight for the rights of widows. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as wool. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. You know, when I see this, I see God saying, He doesn't want what's good. He wants what's holy. He wants what's holy. I'm not desiring sacrifices of bull and goats. There can never be a substitute. Listen to me. There can never be a substitute for genuine worship. Anything less is is idle worship. It's not about the sacrifice I'm looking for. He was looking for their heart. It's always about the heart you know i don't I don't like giving words like this i'm I' just like to see. But when the Lord spoke to us, he said, Listen, the people need to know that we've gotten casual in our approach. You know how we know. Our children are watching. Our children are watching. There's a generation that have grown up outside the church. And they don't know a genuine move of God. They've never seen it. They've seen religion, but they've never seen a genuine move of God. They've never seen it. Hallelujah. Let me say it like this. God had in instituted a way for his people to approach him. Who was to approach him? But the sacrifices had lost their meaning. Going through the motions, but no repentance, no change of heart. God wanted the heart of Judah. He wanted their heart. Because he knew if he didn't have their heart, you'd forget the rest of it. Second thing we see, The prophet, he said, we have unclean lips. And you know what? He repented for the people. He said, Lord, not only they, but I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't know if it was the fact that he hadn't pushed the envelope hard enough. But he said, listen, Father, I'm their representative. I'm the voice to the king. He said, Lord, please forgive me. But he saw forgiveness because he saw the seraphim. What happened to the king? He died because he made an an approach to the throne that he wasn't supposed to, and it cost him his life. Even the angel of the Lord knew how to approach the throne of God and take the coal off the altar. He didn't reach out there with his hand and grab it. He had a tongue. I don't know what it looked like, but I know this. It was like I had permission to take it, but I'm coming humbly to grab it. A lot of arrogance today. I thank God for the next generation. I thank God. But you see, there's nothing new under the sun. I grew up with my family and We did concerts all over the country with the greatest names in Christian music. Thank God for my parents because they were the ones that led us, and they were the ones on the bus. But we would get around the young groups out there that had no real direction or anyone really helping them or walking with them and, and, and talking about smoking the Christian cigarettes on the bus. And, and, a, and a glass, this won't hurt you and that won't hurt you. You know, why be so legalistic? Let me just tell you something. There's a way you approach the holy things of God. There's certain things that won't send you to hell, but they can sure hinder you walk. They can sure hinder your walk. When they had a big event Saturday in Orlando. Thousands and thousands of people. And one of the young worship leaders with a American beer company T-shirt on, as she's leading the people in the presence of the Lord, and I'm going, "What? The, somebody take that girl behind the thing back there and spank her. Where did she? Where did she learn that that was okay? How's that going to edify? How's that going to lead a young twelve, lead a young twelve or thirteen year old kid that's? Well, I want to be what she is." I'm getting too old. Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. What does that mean? It don't mean to be, you know, cuss. But what do we do when the pressure comes instead of the word of the Lord coming out of our mouth, what comes out? Well, I'm not going to make it. Well, I guess, you know, taxes have got so high now our business going to go under. Well, I guess, you know, because we didn't have this many, I guess they'd gone to somebody. (laughs) You know, I guess my mama died of this. I guess I will too. It's amazing what comes out of our mouth. That's why I love worship. That's why I love songs. For there's a hunger and a thirst. I know breakthrough is coming by faith. I see a miracle. I pick songs on purpose. We get enough negativity, enough CNN, Fox News, you name it. Keep every one of us depressed. Third thing, they had lost their holy fear of God. By the grandson's generation, They didn't know God at all. They were back to worshiping the gods of their forefathers. One thing I love about going to Israel with my wife, the place we went was uh, Caesarea Philippi, one of the places. It's on the very, you know, it's, it's way up there. And you stand where Jesus spoke to Peter and he said, Peter, who do people say that I am? it was where they offered the babies at the god of pan and it was in full array when jesus spoke that to peter they were sacrificing babies and worshiping false gods and he walks right in the middle of it and he says who do people say that i am you are the christ the son he said flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you in this atmosphere you didn't get that from them And because you have a revelation of who I am upon that rock. Peter wasn't the first pope. Everybody, all the guys, they want to say, well, this is where God gave us our first pope. Peter, I said, time out. Jesus is the rock. But on this rock of revelation, I'm going to build my church. You have to have a revelation and the gates of hell, the gates of hell. If you threw in your baby and the water didn't come back red, you had to sacrifice another one. We're nearly there now. Hello. We're nearly there now. We have lost. We now have a casual approach. I'm speaking to the choir. I know that this morning. But I just want you to know, listen, we're doing kingdom business. Every time you walk in this building, and you guys carry the fire of God that your pastor carries, and you make room for the presence of God, it's not easy. Because everything in the natural realm tells you that's not how you build a local church. But without the fire of God, ain't no church. It's a social gathering. And uh, just hear my heart today. Hear my heart. The king had a casual approach. The prophet spoke the truth. Lord, we're a people of unclean lips. But God said, hey, I've come to redeem it. I want to put my coal on your lips. And then last of all, he said, it's it's at that place of just recognize that he's holy. He's worthy to be praised. And we humbly come before his throne. And as we do, all heaven is at our disposal. Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. The moment you lift your voice and begin to to speak his name, Jesus, 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 the Holy Spirit comes, and permeates every cell of your body, every nick and cranny of your house, every space of your car, The cubicle you work in, instantly it is saturated with the glory of God. The whole atmosphere changes. Everything is different. Everything is different. The Bible says the place shook at the sound of the voices. There's power in our praise. Praise has a voice. Hallelujah. The glory of God is tangible. We've experienced it. We've all experienced it many times. But whenever we make room for Him, He's faithful. He's going to do what He does, He's going to change the atmosphere. Before we pray or close out the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to sow seed into WMI. You guys have always blessed us. We thank you for your generosity. I want to Ask whoever, Brother Jay, to come. We're just going to ask you to obey the Lord. My wife and I receive a salary from our ministry. As you sow seed, it helps with that, but also it empowers us to take our school around the world. It enables us to go to other countries of the world that don't know Christ and share the gospel there. So this morning... You just obey God, and every need that we have will be met. And then I'm going to close the service here in just a minute. Pastor Jay.
1: So as the ushers come forward, I just wanted to remind you what, and I, I know Pastor Joe has said it a few times about sowing seed. Uh, we, we say that not not because it's a story in the Bible, although it is. We say that because some of us get the opportunity to give But God has blessed us so other people can go out for the kingdom. I truly believe that uh, we need wealthy people and we need middle-income people and we need low-income people to give their money to go out and impact the gospel. And and I'm telling you, we don't hoard it. And, And maybe listen to me when I say, when you plant a seed in a pot and you add water to it, something grows from that does it grows some of you don't have green thumbs I, and you'll you my wife being one of them she's not here is she can plant it and water it and nothing ever grows i don't even understand it but so not everyone is gifted to do what they do and that's okay Look, for some reason and i don't even understand it i can plant it and never water it and it'll grow I just have a green thumb. I don't even, I don't speak to the plant. I don't know what it does. It just starts growing. My wife gets so mad at me. It's kind of funny, actually. But here's the truth. There are things that you can impact in the gospel. And today, you get the opportunity to sow into a ministry that is affecting generations and lives across this world. This, this ministry. These, these folks are family. So we're going to send them off in a manner worthy, Lord. I don't know about you, but if you've been blessed today, get out your wallet, get out your checkbook. You can tithe, you can text to give, whatever it is, but be part of the ministry of changing lives by doing something simple, by dropping a 50 or a 100 in the plate on a dollar. All right. Come on, ushers, come forward.
0: Thank you, Father. Thank you, Pastor Jay. Just obey the Lord. Father, we thank you for every gift, every giver. Lord, we ask you to bring it back to them. Press down, shake them together, running over. Shall men give unto their bosom? Father, bring it back to them. In money or that which money cannot buy. But Lord, as they sow their seed. Lord, you tell us, you bring it back to us. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So Father, we just thank you for your Their generosity and every need that we have is met in Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We give you praise. Jesus' name, amen.